Want to be a CEO? It's a tough mountain to climb. I'm finding out how to get there and what to do once you make it to the top. I'm Michael Thompson, and this is Three Peaks Leadership with Philip Levinson. We have a guest today who's going to help us look at a part of being a CEO that you're going to want to get right. It's the contract. Uh, More on that in a moment. But first, I'm joined, as always, by Philip Levinson, CEO, CEO mentor, and author of Three Peaks Leadership, How to Make It as a CEO and Beyond. Lev, g'day. G'day, Michael. So, you've had the job offer, the champagne's on ice, but it's not quite time for celebration yet because the contract still has to be nutted out. We're in good hands today for some advice. John Churchill's had a remarkable career as a lawyer, company director, chairman, and strategic counsel for boards, chief executives, and senior management. And when it comes to CEO contracts, there's no greater expert. John Churchill, welcome to Three Peaks Leadership. Glad to be here, Michael, and thank you for that kind introduction. And Lev, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much, John. Um, one of the things that wasn't mentioned in Michael's intro is the fact that you're a founding member of the board of Lev, which, of course, I'm sure you put on your CV whenever whenever you need to. So thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, this is this is something I've really been looking forward to. This is my first interview of someone else. So, you know, this is an exciting time for me as well. John, we go way back. We do. Uh, I was just looking through, I think it's uh, eight years since since we met. I was delighted when I was offered the job and was talking uh, with our mutual friend, John Connolly, that he mentioned that I needed advice because at the time I was thinking, well, you know, everything's great. They like me. I like them. They've given me a contract. It looks okay. What could possibly go wrong? And I think that's a great segue, John, into what could possibly go wrong. There are a lot of things that can go wrong, Lev, but more importantly is to get as much to go right as we possibly can. And uh, that's uh, that's where I get together with my clients. And uh, I might say that an employment contract, particularly at the CO level, is probably the most important contract you're going to enter into. People often think buying their home is a big investment, but if you think about it from your point of view and a CEO's point of view, it's a massive investment, yeah. an extraordinary wealth creation opportunity, more so than ever, even though the dial has been uh, turned back a little bit on CEO remuneration. Um, you can pick some examples anywhere between five and eight years in Australian market at the top end of the market. You can create value to in excess of $100 million, and we've seen examples of that in the market. So. That's all governed by the contract and the opportunity for you to excel as a CEO. So it is about thinking it through, thinking strategically at the very beginning, Lev, as you and I have discussed, doing your due diligence, as we we did discuss, and that means a whole range of different things. First impressions are inevitably good, so one has to be wary of that when dealing with it. As I often say to my clients, the fact you can do the job is no reason that, in fact, you should Where are you in your career? Is this a stepping stone position? Is it your first entry into the C-suite? Is it your first opportunity to be a CEO? Is it your second role? How long is your career plan? Where does this get you? And what's the opportunity? And then how do we create a negotiation strategy around that to ensure you get the best possible outcome? You need to do as much research as you can about your prospective employer and get the truth, not what they tell you the truth. And so how, how, John, do you do that? How do you get to the truth? Well, 
Firstly, uh, if it's in Australia, you've probably heard me say this, there are only 200 people in Australia and 100 worth knowing, so you've got to access some of that 100. <laughs> and I think it is important. You've mentioned our, our good mutual friend, John Connolly. He and I have worked together on a variety of things for the better part of 30 years. And I think part of my role is that while I'm a lawyer, I'm an advocate for my clients. So I advocate for them every sense and I test them. I'm objective and dispassionate. You touch into your connections and your networks. Who do you know? What are the circumstances if a predecessor's left abruptly? What does that tell you? Who's on the board? What's the track record? Uh, you have to filter what the headhunters are saying to you. Yes. They're, they've got a mandate from your prospective employer. They want to make a, may want to make a selection. What are you really getting yourself into? And accept the fact that you will always discover more once you've sat behind the desk on the first day than uh, even with good due diligence you've been able to ascertain. So that goes back to the prepare, 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 and then accept that you can never prepare enough. That, that's exactly right. There's no difference, but you need to go with your eyes open. You need to understand what is it they really want you to do? What are you going to be measured on? How much authority and freedom will you have? Because um, sometimes you actually find you have less freedom as a CEO than you might have had in a previous role. And in all of this, you have to be patient, Liv. Uh, it's been my experience, a large number of my clients over the years would have rushed into the job, probably accepted less money than we were able to be able to negotiate. They really wanted their first role as a CEO. Yeah. <laughs> I think that summed me up, as you know. Yeah. And I do remember that every Friday when we were negotiating through the employment contract, you would set me my homework. Yes. Should we talk about the, the homework? There's you on the on the advocate side, but what was the, to your mind, the most important thing that your client could be doing during the process? Well, look, I, I really do think in working out, envisioning themselves in the job, what they think they can really do there, mm. I think that's it. I mean, CEOs, and I include you in this, are a unique group, Liv. About 1% of the population, they're interesting people, one of the great benefits of working with them. They'll pay a price that a lot of other people simply won't or be incapable of doing. So, but is this going to be a real opportunity for them to fulfil their, their skill set and grow and, and deliver and get that reward, which is beyond money? Yes, very much so. You've got to look at, well, what are the other benefits I'm going to get out of this and can I really make a difference because that's why I want this role. Yes. And it's not true. So you have to ask yourself, do you really want to do this? You know, do I really know what I'm getting into? Do I fit culturally as the organisation currently exists? Will I have the resources? Will I have to change the total management team? What What is it? Is it really a turnaround? And people hate using that expression. Am I going in as a saver? Am I a steady pair of hands? How am I going to position myself? And to your point, even at this stage, you're talking to people like John Conley and others about, well, how do we position this when I get the role? Yes. What was the hardest piece of homework I gave you, Let? Can you recall? Oh, well, actually, John, I thank you for that question. The hardest piece of homework you gave me was, do you really want to work for these people? Yeah. <laughs> and that was, a, that was no disrespect at all. That was more, we had dug in, we were entrenched on opposite sides, and it didn't look like there was that much more movement. In fact, we've been told that there was no more movement. And um, and I thought your counsel was both extremely well-timed and also totally opposite because I hadn't thought that. I had not, that was the question I hadn't asked myself. 
Because as you say, I was enamored. I was, I was flattered to have been offered the role. It was the culmination of something I had been looking to do for my entire business career. And there it was. And you were asking, do you really want, do you really want this? And I think it was the shortest piece of homework that I did over the weekend, but probably the most important when we finally parted company three years later, when the strategy had been enacted, uh, you and I had been working through my um, departure. We sold the company, as you remember. The question that you asked then was, do you want to work for the incoming takeoverers? The answer, I think we came to the conclusion quite quickly was no, because it put any leader of a business in a, in a parlous position because their first task is to maximize the value for shareholders, which would mean that they would have to go head to head with the, um, the person coming in to take them over. So I think, again, great advice from you was, you know, you need to look at this without rose colored glasses. What would, to your mind, what would the key points to be included in a CEO contract be? Well, the first thing to remember about the CEO contract is, uh, yeah. I've often joked, this whole relationship is like you know, falling in love. Yep. You go into starry eyes and you only get the contract out when you're splitting up and arguing over who's got to keep the dog and the cat. So you have to think as objectively as you can about this. You have to confront the fact that it's a difficult negotiation as well because if you, depending on who's doing the negotiation, often, and I recommend it, is maintained between the two key individuals, between the CEO and the chairman because they have to have a relationship yes. and they're developing the relationship which is fundamental to the success of the business in this negotiation. Unlikely they've known each other before, sometimes it is. So you're testing each other out and developing an element of trust. So it's a fine balance in how hard you push. And sometimes I have to prod my clients a little bit more to test it because I'll back off again because they want the job. You've been an advisor, Lev, and we always tell our clients, don't fall in love with the deal. You have to know what your walk away position is, and that's one of the key things about this. So the first obvious thing, though, of course, in a sense, is the remuneration and its structure. And that's become much more complex these days. It varies dramatically if you're talking about a listed company as opposed to an unlisted company because you've got stock exchange regulations, exposure, and directors are, to a large degree, very sensitive to their reputations and the influence of proxy advisors and analysts these days on how could you possibly think you've got to pay that person that much. Sometimes they say, oh, but you know, negotiation, oh, but they're getting a big uplift on their previous job, might be an internal candidate. My view is and that's not a relevant consideration. It's a job that commands a certain level of remuneration. So what's it worth? What's the value I'm going to create for you as a CEO? So you've got to work out the base, which varies depending on uh, industries, organisations, structures, uh, market acceptance. The issue around short-term and long-term incentives is what I describe as problematic. The alleged alignment with shareholders' interests, the acceptance that both mainly the argument is the performance related is at the discretion of the board, which is extremely problematic. Yes. And there are a number of reasons for that, and that's a, that's a hard negotiation. You've got to introduce as much certainty as you possibly can. 
into that, which you can achieve. Sometimes you can pr uh, introduce a greater level of certainty into the STI and you le have less flexibility in the LTI because that's a, often a company-wide policy as opposed to a unique one for the CEO. So just on that, though, so STI is short-term incentive and LTI is long-term. Long-term yeah. incentive. Sorry for the jargon. Not at all. So you have to think about exactly how you position yourself in that and the weightings yes. that you want and the clarity around the performance measures. Now, underlying all that, and you've heard me say this before, what you're about to embark upon is a high wire act and the slightest breeze can blow you off as a CEO. And that can be as simple as, again, if the chairman comes into your office and says to you, Lev, I think you're doing a great job, but when you hear the word but, say, can you excuse me, I've just got to ring John Churchill. Yes, that's right. <laughs> One of the other things that we talked about and in terms of important factors in the CEO contract is the length of it. You may think yeah. that you have a three-year contract, but in fact... No, it, the contract is for only the length of the term of the notice period. If it's three months' notice, you've got a three-month contract. And the, the law and practice still is you can be terminated on any basis on that the giving of the notice. So that's very interesting. I've got Michael here who's an aspiring CEO. After Even after everything that he's hearing, he's still interested in the job. I have not yet been scared off. I was interested to hear you say, John, that these negotiations must be done between the two people that are that are involved, the, the CEO and the and the chairman. There seems to be instances where people can be very good at negotiating on behalf of the company. They can be really good at at ensuring that the company gets a good a good deal, but not so good then when they're negotiating on their own personal behalf. What advice would you have for for people like that? That if they're then having to go in and be an advocate for themselves, yep. how do they overcome those kinds of barriers to make sure that, that they kind of almost step back and distance the personal side of it to ensure that they get what they need in this contract? Well, look, that's a very good question and uh, there's a gloss on that as well. Uh, I've done a lot of work with senior women over my career and there is empirical evidence to sustain women have more difficulty negotiating on their own behalf. Interesting. I mean, it is papers have been written on it. We're getting better at it. I often play a role where nobody ever knows I've been there, and I prepare my clients for the negotiation and push them. Sometimes it is down to we we workshop the discussions with the chairman. You know what happens when he says this or she says that. What's our position? What's our bottom line? And a level of playing the role of coach. We all know coach pushes you to test yourself because at the end of the day, like all transactions and deals, when you put your head on the pillow at night, are you satisfied you've got a fair deal? Now, you get one chance of setting your price. It's like any product. You only make your price in the market on one occasion and that's that's how you start. So you have to do that. Sometimes you can't do that. I, good point, Michael. Sometimes I do get directly involved in negotiations. Sometimes the board wants to put the headhunter or the consultant in between to manage the relationship so it doesn't get fraught. I still think you've got to be careful about that because the the headhunter is not your friend in this transaction. They want a deal. Yes, you can say their remuneration is based on percentages, but at the end of the day, they want to conclude a transaction. You want a long-term career with a good relationship with your chairman, so it's a difficult negotiation. So it's a balance. And I've been a couple recently where the negotiations have gone on for some weeks where my client goes in, they have the session with the chairman, we're prepped for it, 
I've provided them with speaking notes and points to make. I've analysed the, the contract where we think we can get some movement in it. And then the other thing to remember is you're never obliged to stay in a conversation. The only time you have to stay and answer a question is when you're in the witness box. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is terrific. One of the things that you mentioned was the relationship between the CEO and the chair, which is a great segue into another episode that we're going to be doing because it's such, and I learned through you how important that is. I'm afraid that we're very close to, to time. This has been absolutely spectacular. Thank you. I would, if I, if I may, in, like to invite you to come back and we'll talk about other aspects of the, uh, of the CEO contract, including the graceful exit. But John Churchill, thank you. And uh, I look forward to seeing you very soon. As always, Lev, a pleasure. And Michael, very nice to meet you as well. John, thank you for joining Three Peaks Leadership. That was John Churchill, lawyer, company director and strategic counsel for boards, chief executives and senior management. Make sure you've hit subscribe or follow on your podcast platform so you get a new episode every week. And while you're online, why not pick up your copy of Three Peaks Leadership, How to Make It as a CEO and Beyond. Jump onto Booktopia, Dimix, Amazon to order it today. I'm Michael Thompson and this is Three Peaks Leadership with Philip Levinson. Thank you.